0: previously on The Adventure Zone. You just see water. Then you see your body and you are face up. You look unconscious and you are falling. You will be unable to harness all of the elements until you stop thinking of them as primitive weapons and instead treat them as they truly are, as blessings from a cosmic force beyond your current comprehension. You mean H2O,
1: that was- That was it! That's the one! Might be manageable, might be workable. If
2: we can get it in the wave pool and turn it on, that's probably gonna,
0: like, fuck with it, right? I'll shut down the supply to the water park, Duck. I I gotta be on site for it to happen, but I can do it. But you gotta satisfy my curiosity a bit. I think you are doing a bit of monster hunting. And if that's the case, I got a follow-up question for you, I guess. Y'all hiring? livers of sunlight cascade down the peak of Mount Kepler and onto the scene at H2 wo that was fun. Casting long shadows off the towering water slides at the rear of the park. The last member of the skeleton crew working here to prepare for the park's closing weekend left around a half hour ago. Now it's just the three of you with Barclay in tow, standing at the entrance readying yourselves for the battle to come. And Duck, just on cue, Minerva appears right in front of you. She turns and she looks at your surroundings, and she says, "It seems to be a work night, Duck Newton. do we see Minerva? uh no, only duck can see Minerva
2: uh yeah we're we're taking a shot at it i I don't know how good of a plan we got, but we kind of forced our hand. you know we got to try something Duck, who you, are you talking yeah, to
1: we we knew that.
2: Just psyching myself up, you know?
1: Ah, okay, yeah. You
2: know, feeling a little nervous, like to talk to myself.
1: Go, duck, go!
2: Yeah, thank thank you. I, no, that's very much appreciated. Uh, I think we should all go, go, go. But uh, I'll just, let me step away for a moment, just kind of get myself pumped, if that's all right.
0: Yeah, totally. Uh, you step away, and Minerva follows suit, and she says... Doc, it sounds like your confidence is suffering.
2: Uh, well, I mean, we're fighting water, which I I feel like I've seen that in, like, kung fu movies when they're trying to illustrate pointlessness. Um, so I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a little stressed out,
0: honestly. Do you not feel the warrior's excitement for the battle you're about to face? I don't understand. I mean, I feel a deep and profound desire not to die. Uh, does that count? She laughs and she says, you will not die, Duck Newton. You are filled with a warrior's instinct that we share together and it will serve you well in combat. Your confidence, Duck Newton, it is not unearned. Your aim will be true. Do you believe me?
2: Well, I mean, I want to, but I also had a spooky vision where I drowned, I think, so i'm I don't know I'm kind of fifty fifty on it the fa- if i'm if I'm following the omens to try to achieve my own uh personal legend, I got one omen that tells me I'm gonna be fit in a big pool, and then I got you telling me that it's gonna
0: be okay so i I don't know when you mention the vision uh, again this this vision of Minerva that appears in front of you is is not very. Um, there there aren't, like, many specific features that you can pick out, but you can tell that, uh, she kind of takes a step back, and she looks kind of nervous as you say that, and then sort of realizing, like, uh-oh, that's probably not good for getting him psyched up, uh, she says, look into my eyes, Duck Newton, or, I guess, as where you would guess my eyes would be. Okay. And she says, I will see you tomorrow. And then she disappears. And with that, the light finally fades as the sun finishes creeping back behind Mount Kepler and floodlights fastened to tall metal poles all around the park kick on automatically, illuminating the battlefield. And uh, Barclay gathers the three of you together and says, okay, everyone ready? Um, I mean,
1: I guess. Is anybody worried about something bad happening to the... The car? If somebody needed to stay, you know, stay here and keep an eye on the on the car, I'd, I'd miss the big battle, but, um... Ned,
2: I want you to listen to me very closely. Mm-hmm. You are literally the only person here with a weapon that can kill it. So, move your ass.
1: Well, okay. Uh, I feel better now. Sure.
2: Fine. Hey, listen, y'all. Before we head in there, I got one more thing to say. The one good, I know we're all freaked out right now, but the one good thing about fighting a huge body of water is that nobody will be able to tell when we've pissed our pants. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's do
0: it. Barclay says, all right. And he gestures you all towards the wave pool in the center of the park, and he says, let's get wet and wild. No, wet and wild is down the street. I thought it was sploosh and goosh. <laughs> what, it, what, it, what, what? It,
2: Okay, well then, Aubrey will uh, volunteer as tribute. Okay. I assume that this is like a slope into yeah, it, kind of gradient it's- thing. Yeah, So she kicks off her super cool boots that are so, so rad, you guys. You know, they're leather, don't want to ruin them. Wait, are they real leather? No, fake leather. They're there f- we go. Okay. Fake leather. Uh, They're fleather. Um,
1: <laughs> as they say. That's leather made out of feathers, yeah. Yeah, okay. feather. fleather.
2: I love when uh, Robin Williams
1: and Vince (laughs) Flether.
2: The whole whole basketball team looks great in a very humane way. Yes, it's really wonderful. Everyone's just so awed by their cruelty-free uniforms that they just let them dunk as much as they want. (laughs) (laughs) They've earned this one. The other team is cows. (laughs) (laughs) And she just kind of like walks into the water and then just kind of stands there and tries to think like, How would Bate think? Uh,
0: I don't think you have to think that for very long. There are uh, just a few moments of quiet that falls over the park, and then you all hear a deep groaning from the pipes below the park that reverberates up through the ground. Um, And the floodlights shining down on the wave pool, they begin to flicker erratically, and then they turn back on as the pipes fall silent. And then a small ripple... Forms in the middle of the pool and lazily rolls outward towards its edges. Uh, And the ripple bounces off the perimeter of the pool and travels back to the center where it collides into itself, sending a single small droplet of water into the air. And it hangs there for several seconds. And then crashes back down into the water with a massive, continuous splash. And from this turbulence, an arm, thick as a truck and easily eight feet long, pulls itself out of the water. And then another follows suit. And then the two arms hoist a massive, school bus-sized, watery torso out of the pool. Uh, And this vaguely humanoid shape pounds its enormous fist into the water, sending water cascading high into the air. And as it falls, the elemental now towering over your party begins lumbering towards you. Let's start with Aubrey. Aubrey, what do you do? Barkley. And
2: she, you know, hands him the keys. Go, turn on, turn on the wave pool. Maximum wave? I I don't know what the settings are, but whatever the highest one is that
0: uh, you toss him the ring of keys and he uh, catches it from the side of the pool and then sprints back to the control booth and you see him uh, quickly make his way into the booth and start fiddling with the panel uh, and he smiles and knocks on the glass and the elemental turns to the sound of, of knuckles rapping against the, the glass in the control booth and You see Barclay with this big shit-eating grin on his face, and he starts uh, to wave, and he yells, I'm waving! Get it? And then he slams his hand down on a button on the control console, uh, and the elemental sort of turns away from this distraction and starts floating back in your direction, and then it seems to, like, miss a step, and then it tries again, and it nearly falls over as another small wave pushes past it across the surface of the pool, and then larger and larger waves still begin to just belt the elemental, who pounds its hands down into the water, just trying to stay stable, uh, affording you all a window to attack. So as long as the elemental is in the wave pool and the waves are active, you all take plus one ongoing for all actions against the water elemental. That just means you get a flat plus one bonus to everything you try to do. Sick. So with that going, I'm, I guess I'm going to like hurl a fireball at it. Yeah, sure. Roll two, kick some ass.
2: So then that's eight. I rolled an eight plus two plus one. So 11.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, on a 10+, plus, you uh, definitely hit it. You also get to choose one extra effect. You gain the advantage, take plus one forward, or give plus one forward to another hunter. You inflict terrible harm, plus one harm. You suffer less harm, minus one harm, or you force them where you want them.
2: I'm going to say I'm going to grant uh, plus one forward to Ned. Um, okay. Because I know Ned's got the NARF blaster, and I'm, I'm trying to stand as, like, distraction so he can line up a
0: shot. What does that look like? What are you like doing to to give him the advantage, like in fiction?
2: Well, and this is a line I thought of yesterday that I'm very proud of. Aubrey holds a ball of fire as this, you know, in her hand and says, Hey, Aqualung, and throws it at his head. Um, and in and, and trying to, like, look over here, look at me, stupid. <laughs> um, okay, you're just trying to gain his attention. Yes. I feel like you guys don't appreciate the the aqua I mean, you thing. just I mean, the said aqua was just... the several minutes of buildup. I think. yeah, that's fair, yeah. but like <laughs> how <laughs> clever though, you know? Just for like, hey, hey, Oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
1: But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Does that mean hey, there's... it's like um, it's like in uh, you know, in uh, I love the moment in Casablanca where he's like, "Hey, I'm about to say some <laughs> dope shit. Here's looking <laughs> at you, kid." Like it's like it's a little bit blunting. Um, I just thought of something cool to say before I leave, Scarlet. (laughs) Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And then he opens the the door back up. What did you think? (laughs) Did you get it? Did you get it? I feel like it didn't really land. (laughs) I didn't get as much appreciation from that as I thought. Can I try
0: it again? What, uh, how much harm do you do on your fireball attack?
2: Two harm, and then with fire, another two harm. And and because I rolled a ten bless, I don't have to worry about the fire spreading in the water.
0: Yeah, that would have been wild for me to try to get that going. But um I, I think just like last time, you do hit it. Um, but it does not seem to be quite as damaging as you uh, would have hoped because you are throwing a fireball at a massive creature made out of water. You threw a really good fireball, so it definitely still does uh, some harm, and it definitely accomplishes what you were hoping in uh, gaining its attention. In fact, it sort of, uh, it's, it's got its two arms, its two huge arms down in the water, just trying to keep itself stable. Uh, after you hit it, it kind of rears backwards, and one of those arms flings upward uh, and throws just an enormous ball of water at you with tremendous force that uh plows into you and uh, knocks you backwards uh just out of the water you were standing kind of in the shallows uh and you take two harm well uh, actually, probably goodness
2: because of my armor i take one harm
0: yeah i think your your vest like glistens with that shimmering red thread as the water hits you uh and protects you and you only take one harm let's do duck next uh where's like the uh the ball of light can i detect it currently Uh, You cannot, as we've sort of established in the past, if the ball of light is, like, surrounded by too much water, it is sort of invisible to you.
2: Okay. Uh, I want to go away from Aubrey and away from Ned to, like, just distract it in yet another direction.
0: Okay, like to the Um, side of the pool? To
2: the side of the pool, exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. So uh, Duck, I think, is going to, like, half climb down the ladder into the pool. I'm imagining it's right he's right about there. Okay. And, and just like take out Beacon and like sort of futilely slash at the water in the pool. Just like is this anything? Is this doing
0: something? Is this is this an attack? If you did that, you could definitely reach like one of its arms. Uh Perfect. just because this thing is pretty broad and you would definitely be able to reach it hanging off the ladder on the side of the pool.
2: Right. Then that that's what I'm doing. I take out Beacon And um, slash at one of the arms.
0: Okay, go for it. While hanging off the ladder. Roll Uh, to kick
2: some ass. I will roll to kick the proverbial ass. Ooh, holy shit.
0: That is 11 for the roll, plus Tough. Plus uh, two toughs, so 13. Plus one for uh, the waves. 14.
2: So How you is your roll? You kick its oh. whole ass and its asshole. I kick yeah. its entire
0: ass. Oh, you got a little taint in there, too. Oh, no. <laughs> so choose a benefit from the list. You can uh, gain um, an advantage or grant it to somebody else, do terrible harm, suffer less harm, or force them where you want them. Uh, I am going to give one forward to Ned. All right, so Ned will have two forward on his on his attack. Woo! And that's two harm, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, okay, so you deal two harm. Descri- describe what this like looks like. Duck's kind of hanging
2: off of the side, and he pulls out Beacon. And I think that when he pulls Beacon out, it's coiled. And as he's swinging, Beacon unfurls, which catches the, the monster uh, uh, uh off guard and you know they aren't prepared for it for it they didn't really think they're going to be in danger and then beacon unfurled the last moment and just like slices through the arm that's sick yeah uh the it's the cool arm- the other thing i'll say is we gotta start naming these bad boys or else it's going to be a lot of like the monster they have names they have aqualong the right what about aqualong is what it is called
0: now okay and excellent uh- Aqualung swings one of its arms at you as it sees you kind of vulnerable, hanging off the side of the pool, and as you unfurl a beacon, it tries to just pound you against the wall, and your sword just vivisects the arm, and the water sort of harmlessly uh, uh, sprays around you, off to each side, uh, but it sort of loses its balance and just kind of collides into you, kind of uh, crushing you up against the wall of the pool, uh, and you take two harm as you sort of are are crushed, and then the continual force of this thing falling into you pushes you backwards out of the pool. If, which, if memory serves, is actually zero harm, because you're a tough boy. Yes, I'm a tough boy. Ned, they have teed you up real nice. First of all, Ned runs over to the other side
1: of the pool, opposite from Duck. So we're basically hitting from three different sides. Okay. And, um... He climbs up on the uh, lifeguard stand, so he has an elevation, a little bit of an elevation, okay. and he's not in the actual water, which he does not want to be in. Takes aim towards the base of Aqualung, where it, it's flowing up from the actual wave pool, and uh, Ned's going to shoot it with uh, with the Narf Blaster. Surprise, surprise.
0: Okay. Go ahead and roll to kick some ass. That is a 10. Oh,
1: yeah. Plus, uh, nothing for tough, but three f- forwards, correct? Yeah, so that's uh, 13 total. So 13. So Ned Nimbly climbs up the lifeguard <laughs> stand. Who's Ned Nimbly? Ned Nimbly. He's Aqualung's buddy. <laughs> Ned Nimbly Chicane uh, climbs up the lifeguard stand, kind of hooks his feet in like the armrest, cradles the Narf Blaster on his, on his hip, And pulls the trigger and yells, um, say hello to my spongy
0: friend! And fires. The uh, glowing dart comes flying out of it and uh, hits it at the base. Oh, choose a bonus effect, please. The extra harm? Uh, So that's going to be three harm. Uh, With that, the uh, dart comes flying in and hits the elemental at sort of the base of its trunk where it was connected to the water, uh, and you just cut completely clean through it. And this figure, which was still kind of reeling from fucking up the attack against Duck, just sort of collapses down into the water, just losing its form completely. And you probably have a brief moment of relief, uh, thinking, I just dunked on Aqualung, and then uh, I think in lieu of just doing the harm back to you, I'm going to set up a soft move. All of the water now doesn't have this humanoid form in it anymore, but the water of the pool starts gathering towards the side of the pool that is facing uh, Ned, and it starts raising up out of the water, forming this huge wall of water that threatens to uh, come crashing down uh, to just royally fuck up your whole shop. Uh, that is the situation, and we get back to Aubrey. Aubrey, Ned is about to uh, get smushed. What do you do?
2: Um. So Aubrey flings out her hand and says, Ned, look out! And instinctually... Uses some magic. Okay. So that is nine, and Aubrey instinctually bars a... Let me see what the actual terminology is. Bar a place or portal to a specific person or type of creature.
0: Okay, uh, let's do this. You reach out your hand and yell to warn Ned, and you feel something stirring inside of you. It feels like when you have you know, cast your fireballs and lit up fireplaces all cool and and done your fiery tricks in the past. But there's something different about this feeling, and time seems to slow down. Aubrey, we see you, and you're back in your childhood home several years ago. Um, as you've kind of talked about before, it was sort of a palatial estate. It was a, a testament to the comfortable upbringing that that you received due to your family's wealth. Um, and yet, despite the luxuries afforded to you in this place, you are leaving it tomorrow. You are going to set out to follow your dream to become a famous stage magician, the Lady Flame. And... You are seated at the dinner table with your mother and father. He's prepared you your favorite meal for your last evening at home. Uh, What is that? What is Aubrey's favorite meal? You know,
2: like a really good, like, fig and pear and blue cheese salad.
0: Okay. Something like that. It's your favorite meal.
2: More and Um, more. I was going to say steak, but we just had the whole Fleather conversation. (laughs) So...
0: Sure. This is a very cruelty-free world that we've created here. Yeah. Um, so your favorite meal is, is here, and you're all uh, enjoying it, but the air around the room is kind of uneasy. Um, and uh, after nearly completing the meal without a single word spoken over the table, your mom says, So y'all packed up, kiddo? Yeah. Uh, she says, are you, are you sure you don't want to leave nougat here with us? And she gestures towards a baby rabbit eating from a small dish at your side. And she says, I don't know if it's such a good idea for him to go, you know, tra- traveling around the country. He's just a baby. Okay, A, how can I do
2: magic without my assistant? And B, his name is not nougat. That's that's what his name was at the store because they did not appreciate the work that he had put into in receiving his doctorate his name is dr harris bonkers phd thank you very much mother she
0: smiles and says of, of course i'm so sorry and then there's another another couple minutes of silence as you all finish your meal and then your father clears his throat and he says <clears throat> i'm i'm sorry but is there a is there a time limit on this plan of yours what what do you mean like if you if you don't you know, make it within a year? Do you think you are you would come back home to us, or...? No? no?
2: Why wouldn't I make it? What does making it mean? You know, I, I, I... No, no. I'm... If I come back, it'll be to visit,
0: or... To, no, I'm leaving. He sighs, and he says, uh, I've just... We've spent your whole life trying to be as supportive as we could, Aubrey, trying to give you the kind of life we never got. But I, I don't know how to support you on this, Aubrey. With your with your grades, you could get into any school in the country. Leaving to do magic is such a, a waste of that. And it's so it's so dangerous, Aubrey. We're not going to know where you are most of the time. Listen, I'm going to be fine.
2: And the fact of the matter is, I don't want to go to school and and it's just not for me. It's this is this is not just what I want. It's what I feel like I'm meant to do. It just feels right, you know? Like when I'm performing, when I'm doing my my act, that's me. You know what I mean? Lady Flame is me. Aubrey feels like stage name, right? Like and and Lady Flame is the only time it feels
0: right. He stands up from the table suddenly and he looks dejected and he picks up his plate and his, his silverware and starts to walk into the kitchen and he says, I'm sorry, and he leaves the room to start cleaning up. And it's it's later that evening and you and Dr. Harris Bonkers are in bed. Uh, you had some trouble falling asleep that night and your door Creaks open, and in the moonlight, you see your mother into the room, and she sits down beside you in the bed and picks up Dr. Harris Bonkers, who she pets affectionately in her lap, and she says, That was a bit cliche, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. She says, We both love you unconditionally. You know that, right? Uh,
2: there is a difference between... Knowing it and feeling it sometimes, I know it, but I also feel like a disappointment to dad. I, I wish, like, it would be a lot easier if I wanted to go to
0: school. It would be a lot simpler. She says, I, I get it. There's, there's just, there's an ugly part of parenthood, Aubrey, a, a selfish part that. Rears its head sometimes. You you convince yourself that you've invested your mind and your body and your soul and heart into your child. You work so hard for them during the part of their lives that they share with you, even before their lives. Sometimes we, we went through a lot just trying to conceive you. Which, sorry, you probably don't want to hear about <laughs> that. It, sometimes that manifests with a feeling of betrayal for us, like it did downstairs. And I'm, I'm truly sorry that that happened your last night with us. It's just, I don't understand why this
2: is the thing, right? Like, you guys have always been so supportive of me when I wanted to dye my hair. You know, at 13, you guys didn't care. And like, dressing however I want, you don't care. You don't care, you know, who I choose to date. And that has never been a problem I thought that this would be exciting, you know? Like, I'm going to make a name for myself as the Lady Flame, and I just, I don't know why this is the thing that Dad just can't seem to get behind.
0: It's that you'll be gone, Aubrey, but you're, you're, I get it. You're about to go on a grand adventure, the likes of which every person during their life should be lucky enough to embark on. And the thing is, with the exception of our our furry friend here, you're going to go alone. And I understand why it has to be this way, but... Okay, I have something for you, something to keep us, you know, in your heart, even when you're away. And she unclasps the necklace that she's wearing, and a beam of moonlight catches it perfectly, refracting red light back up onto your face. And she says, "'We have lots of jewelry in this house, Aubrey, but no piece is as precious to me as this.' My mother gave it to me when I left home, as did her mother before her and her mother before her for generations. It's kept our family safe through unspeakable hardships. Some of your more imaginative ancestors gave it a name, Flame Bright. And she scratches her neck and she says, I haven't taken this thing off for nearly 25 years, Aubrey. A a doctor tried to remove it when I was in labor with you, and I I bit him. I bit him good. (laughs) Um, I was... I was pretty doped up at the time, but I like to think I knew what I was doing. I was keeping it safe because one day I knew I would be giving it to my daughter on on a very important night to remind her that she is and always will be loved. And she gives you a tearful hug and slips it on over your neck, and it hangs down nearly to your navel— and your, your mom smiles and she says, I tell you what, I'll go take some links out and shorten the chain, and then maybe we can try this little ceremony again in the morning. Sounds good. Thank I love you, Mom. She says, I love you too. And she walks out of the room. Later, we see you asleep in the dead of night, uh, your entire family having retired after a, an emotional evening. And then we see a car, an imperial crown coupe, Pull up just in front of your house with its lights off, with two figures silhouetted from within. And then we're back in the present. And what do you
2: do? Um. So when her hand flings out as this thing is like about to crash on the lifeguard stand, I'm just picturing it kind of like hitting almost an invisible barrier, like you know, a little bit of a like a wah, 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 wah in the air. You know what I mean? Just kind of stopping it from hitting Ned. I would say that it is kind of a, like, blast of wind stopping it from hitting, so, like, blowing it backwards, you know what I mean? And I think, with it being water, it looks awesome.
0: Yeah, okay, so Ned, you actually feel, you see this wall of water about to come crashing down on you, and then you feel this, like, gale-force wind at your back, uh that that blows forward and just as this water is about to crash down this wall of wind uh curves upward and catches it in the air uh and it just starts peeling away at the water just throwing it effortlessly backwards into the pool creating almost like a reverse pipeline uh, and not a single drop gets on you as the wall of water is turned away And with that, the elemental aqualung, I guess, uh, splashes back down into the pool and kind of just thrashes there. The water's just thrashing, just furious at its failure. Uh, And then, Ned, you, from your position, you see that faint yellow light on the surface of the water uh, still kind of fighting against the waves. And it dives downward into a drain at the bottom of the pool and disappears out of sight, attempting to make its escape.
1: Duck! The drain! Your sparkly yellow friend just ducked down into it, ironically enough. Did you guys see what I did?
2: Alright, two things just taken in order. Uh, Aubrey, that was radical. Thank you. Off. Let me say that. Uh,
0: I yell out, uh,
2: Pigeon, he's making a run for it!
0: In the woods we see a uh, a section of chain-link fence boxing in uh, a series of pipes, uh, just sort of like making a U-shape in and out of the ground uh, with a large sort of hex bolt uh, valve at the center of them. And there we see Pigeon, and she has a huge wrench that she kind of nods and yells, yep! And throws the wrench onto the hex bolt and turns it. Uh, and then is kind of knocked backwards as a uh, a force sort of slams against the closed valve, uh, rattling the pipes, uh, and then it tries that a few more times, and and you hear Pigeon say, Yeah, that pissed
2: it off pretty good! Duck, who's that?
0: Yeah, that's Pigeon.
2: Is everybody in your world named after birds? This is a very good question. Also, why is Pigeon here? Pigeon's helping us out a little bit. Sort of a Contractor, <laughs> okay. Hey, listen. Is personnel sort of the top priority right now, no, or do you're we right. want to? Yep, yep, okay, yep, yep,
0: yep. good, 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 good. Um, the pipes beneath you, underground in the park, creak again, louder and longer than before. You all actually feel slight tremors beneath your feet, uh, which causes the windows in the main office to just shatter from the vibration. Uh, there's a tower of maps next to an info desk that just topples over. Uh, And then silence falls over the park once again, and you all hear the sound of water lapping against cement, this time from the lazy river surrounding the park. You all see a mound of water lift off a few feet from the river, traversing its path around the park, gaining speed as it moves. Uh, And that mound lifts higher and higher from the water, growing slowly as it collects all the water in its path. And then this form splashes downward and suddenly launches up and out of the river's path with every drop of water from the river following it, forming a massive snake-like form that is barreling towards your party at ramming speed. Duck, what do you do?
2: Is it sort of, is it still serpentine? Is it coming sort of
0: straight at us or? Uh, now it's just charging right at you like a train.
2: All right. Duck extends beacon in front of him, point first, and just starts sprinting at it. Okay. Yeah, it's just gonna
0: try to skewer it. I don't have a better plan. I think as you get close, you actually see in the head of this thing the yellow light as you are just sort of several feet away from it, uh, about to collide. Uh, I guess roll to kick some ass. Yeah, I guess,
2: man. I I, I was thinking about chicken it out, but I think he's just gonna kind of thinking on instinct at this point. Yeah, that roll to kick the proverbial ass. Is, do we have still have an advantage, or are
0: we, uh, we? You lost do not. Now? This thing is not in the wave pool anymore. All right.
1: Ophedupa.
0: <laughs> that's a that's a it, double snake eyes, I guess, for a big nasty four. That's a big nasty four. Woo! Uh plus well, one that's for an tough. experience. Oh yeah, plus uh, two for tough. I uh, still a, uh, a uh, six, which is a failure. Go ahead and mark experience. I've learned
2: something from this.
0: <laughs> 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 this
2: is a this is a good experience for you. Know what? Honestly. I'd rather have the experience. It's a good experience. Okay, so I guess I'm um sprinting at it.
1: <laughs> just
2: like ah like get, with with beacon extended and I think there's a moment just before we collide where beacon sort of like whis- almost half whispers like duck Newton, this is going to
0: go poorly. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then they they collide. D <laughs> the, Snake, which is just barreling at you, uh, you are not harmed by it ramming into you with this like tremendous amount of force. It kind of opens up as uh, it is about to collide with you, and just kind of like envelops you and catches you in the form of this snake. And Ned and Aubrey, you now see Duck kind of flying backwards, back into the the rear of this snake shape, just twisting around helplessly in the water. Uh, It whips up its tail at the last second, and you are launched violently out of the form of this snake. And now, Ned and Aubrey, you see Duck just ragdolling through the air, just 20 feet high, uh, sailing away and out of sight back towards the corner of the park uh, and down into the reservoir. At the back corner of the park. Uh, And, Duck, you're just barely able to hold on to your senses as your arc turns back toward the ground. Uh, You see the reservoir just flying towards you. And you also see the metal bridge spanning the reservoir's circumference, which you fly closer and closer to. And then your head collides with its guardrail with a sickening thump. You remember a night from decades ago. You have woken up with a start in your childhood bedroom, just doused in sweat. Um, you take a moment to collect yourself and your, your senses one by one sort of flicker back to life. And that is when you smell smoke. It is pouring into your bedroom through uh, the crack under your bedroom door, through which you can see dancing orange light pulsating in from the hallway, you hear a furious crackling noise from beyond that door. You do not, however, hear the smoke alarm. What do you do?
2: I I go to the door. I um uh, I'm trying to remember like my the what, Red Cross like fire. Yeah, safety. exactly. I think uh, do you got to check with the back of your hand. Do I have it? Yeah, that right. Exactly. Stop, Do drop, I, and roll. Don't forget to stop, drop, I, and roll. I'm not currently on fire. Am I on oh. ground level? And is there a, a window?
0: Uh, you are on the second story of the house. Uh, there Ugh. is a, there is a window. Um, I kick the door. Okay. Uh, the door just like easily gives way as you kick it. Um. Actually, you are surprised by how easily it gives way. You are sort of surprised by the strength you muster uh, as you just effortlessly boot the door open. You see the uh, the sort of lock mechanism, the, uh, the actual doorknob interior part of the doorknob uh, just come completely off the door and come out into the hallway. Uh, and a blast of searing hot air uh, hits you in the face, and you see the hallway of your family house just up in flames, the the fires climbing up the walls, engulfing rows of framed photos of your family hung there. Uh, a burning beam has fallen through the ceiling, cutting off the rest of the hallway that's leading to your parents' bedroom, uh, the door to which is still closed. Um, and you also notice that on the other end of this hallway, leading downstairs and into the living room, there is no fire. Your, your path leading out of the house is free and open to you, should you choose to use it. What about the door to my little sister's room? Uh, that is, uh, across the hallway from your parents' bedroom. That door, you can also see through the flames, is, is also closed.
2: Uh, alright, I grab a blanket off my bed. And I kind of drape it around myself, and I sprint through the fire towards uh, Jane's room. Okay. Uh, Roll to act under pressure. Isn't it odd, conceptually, to roll during a flashback? I understand that we are doing (laughs) this, but it just strikes me as weird. Because, listen, Uh, it either happened or it didn't. It either either happened or it didn't, but it's the immutable nature of fate, I suppose. Um, So this would be... uh, I rolled an eight. I have a two to cool which would make it a 10
0: you set out to do what you want to do so uh there's this burning beam sort of cutting off the rest of the hallway between you and the bedrooms of your sister and your parents uh how do you how what does it look like as you get around that
2: uh i i I think i just jump over it and maybe i'm like that's instinctual and i'm kind of surprised like oh shit wow i really cleared that because like i wasn't big into sports or anything
0: like, yeah, I, I haven't I really,
2: like, put my body to the test or anything.
0: Yeah, you, like, sort of effortlessly contort your your body into this shape as you kind of dive, covered in this blanket, uh, just clean over this beam that has fallen down at a diagonal into the hall, and uh, r- do a just perfect roll as you land and come to your feet, just surprised uh, at what a badass you are right now. Uh, what do you do? Uh, I smash open the door to Jane's
2: room and and i'm screaming also to try to wake everybody up but uh i smash up the door to jane's room to make my way over to to grab her
0: Uh, The the walls and ceiling of this room are just completely engulfed. Uh, Burning embers are raining down from above. One lands on your forearm as you you kick this door open and you feel it singe your skin before sort of reflexively shaking it off. Uh, And the bed in front of you is occupied by a shape that is uh, completely covered by the blankets, seemingly still unconscious despite the sort of immediate danger posed to them by this blazing bedroom. I...
2: Throw off the blanket and scoop her up. She's uh, seven, so it's not it's not too tough. Um, I scoop her up and uh, gra- take the blankets with me, so I can cover both of us on the way out.
0: Uh, okay, as you scoop her up and sort of wrap her in the blanket uh, uh, that, that was on her bed, uh, another two beams fall through the ceiling inside the room right in front of the door back out into the hallway, uh, cutting off your exit, and with this, she kind of comes to and starts coughing, and she says, Doc, what's, what's going on? It's all right, Jane, just, just close your eyes and, and try to breathe
2: real shallow, okay? Okay, okay. I grab her, tv vcr combo that she has their little 12 inch job and i chuck it at the window as hard as i can
0: it's like picking up like a like an empty cardboard box it is the weight is nothing to you as you lift up the tv vcr combo and throw it uh through the the window and it smashes apart and the heat from this room is incredible But as you smash open the window, you feel an even more powerful heat coming from outside, and there's a flash of light, and it takes a moment for your eyes to adjust, and when it does, you see outside, and there's the sun. It's, it's not hanging in its usual place in the sky. It looks like it's just mere miles away from the surface of the Earth, just occupying the entirety of the horizon. And in the distance, you see a white beam of light shooting upward from the surface of the Earth, traveling all the way up and into this nearby sun, uh, and you see everything around the base of this beam just getting sucked up into it trees and cars and houses and the earth itself all traveling up to beam to be destroyed by this massive ball of fire in the sky and as you gaze upon this scene the gravitational pull of the beam gets stronger pulling in more and more of the earth until your house starts coming apart and you feel yourself flying upward into this beam into the Sun And then you wake up in your bed again. And standing at the foot of your bed, watching over you intently, is a humanoid shape made out of faint, translucent light. And a voice comes from it and says, I apologize for the rude awakening, Duck Newton. If you must take a moment to collect yourself before speaking, I completely understand. I- what the fuck? What the fuck? My name is Minerva Duck Newton, and I'm ah! here- I jump through her, throw open the door, not kick it. I'm not that out of it. I throw open the door to, like, check for fire. Nope. Nothing is amiss. Um, you actually see Jane open the door deeper down the hallway, and she kind of peeks out and rubs her eyes and says, Duck, are you okay? Go back to bed, goofus. There's nothing going on. It's fine. She kind of, like, gives you a a sneer, like, okay, you don't have to call me goofus, and uh, dips back into her bedroom, and Minerva from behind you says, if you're quite done, I must tell you that you have been chosen to fulfill a fate of cosmic importance. Yeah, but what the fuck? (laughs) Who are you? What are you doing in my room? My name is Minerva Duck Newton, and I am here to tell you you've been chosen to fulfill a fate of cosmic importance. All right,
2: first off, who the hell are you? I know you're not a friend of my mom cuz you're calling me duck, and I know she hates that. So that that's uh, I, you're not a friend of my mom. Who who are you? Who sent you? Is this it, a Oh, uh, okay. This is computers. I've been hearing people talk about that at the AV Club, they're saying a lot of stuff about computers and all the stuff they can do. You're computers, aren't you? (laughs) This is, by the way, this is tripping me the fuck out because (laughs) the voice Justin is doing right now sounds like 15-year-old Justin. It's very good. It's (laughs) tripping
0: me out. Now I'm in my my head about it. (laughs) (laughs) She says, I am not computers, Duck Newton. I come from a faraway place. You're not ready quite yet to understand that, but you must understand, Duck Newton, and this will be difficult news to hear. Your world is imperiled, Duck Newton. It is besieged by a supernatural threat that would spell certain doom for not just your planet, but for two planets that have found themselves linked by destiny itself. Even now, horrific abominations march on your world, threatening to destroy the lives of your neighbors, friends, and loved ones without hesitation or remorse. The forces your world have assembled to defend itself will prove insufficient to see to this threat. You have been called, Duck Newton, to do what they cannot. What's that? To to fight them. Yeah. Do not fear fighting them, though, Doc Newton. You will be imbued with the strength of ancients to see to this task, outfitted with the mightiest armaments in existence, and trained by one of the greatest warriors this universe has ever known, which is me. And this figure extends its hand outward to you. Yeah, I got class tomorrow, (laughs)
1: though.
0: And then we are back in the present, and... We see Duck Newton, unconscious, sinking to the bottom of this deep reservoir as his vision dictates. Uh, Next in the order is Ned. Aubrey, listen, I'm the only one
1: that can hurt that thing. I'm the only one that can keep it distracted. You need to go rescue Duck. I'll shoot it a bunch with the Narf Blaster. Okay, and she's running towards the reservoir. And then you'll come right back and help me, right? What? (laughs) <laughs> oh
0: shit! Uh, what do you, Ned? This thing uh, kind of it, it stopped for a moment as it did its little maneuver to Chuck Duck through the air. Oh, that's fun, Chuck Duck. Uh, uh, but now it turns back towards you as you are yelling to Aubrey to come back when she's done uh, saving Duck's life, uh, and it starts moving and picking up speed as it moves towards you. What do you do? I am going to do what Ned does best, and that's run away. But okay.
1: As Ned is running, he's going to. Basically, you know, just fire away with the Narf Blaster, just kind of raking along the the body of the water snake, just just to try to distract it and keep it away from Aubrey and Duck. And at the same time, uh, running away is a big component in this.
0: Okay. Since you are shooting it, I think still kicking some ass is the way to go. (laughs) And that's a 12. That is double sixes, folks. I have a zero tough. All right. So pick your bonus effect. I think it sounds like based on the maneuver that you said. If we want to like keep this in the rules of the game, you force them where you want. I think that would be because I wanted to. I wanted to chase. I wanted to move away from Duck
1: and Aubrey. All right. Uh, describe what this looks like. Ned says, "Shit!" and just starts firing away, just shot after shot. While he runs, he's kind of leaning backwards, shooting at the snake along the the length of its watery body, and basically heading towards one of the big water slides, just away from them.
0: Here's what happens. You you do this sick dodge roll out of the way, and the snake rolls past you, and now you're sort of running parallel alongside it uh, as it continues its trajectory past you, just firing bolt after bolt into its side. Uh, it takes two harm, and Uh, one of the bolts, I think, hits it close to its head, and as that happened, you see the snake form just for a moment kind of spasm, uh, and a a bunch of water sort of shoots out of the side of it, almost like it had this uh, surface tension containing all of it that it just sort of loses at a few points, and water just spills out of it. And you manage to get past it, but it does a quick U-turn, you know, 30 feet behind you, and then starts chasing you towards the water slides. The water slides at the back of the park there are three main large water slides. They are all built into this same tall wooden tower uh, with staircases leading up it uh, with a line sort of separated into three parts where people you know wait in line and then get to the slide that they want to go on and, and disembark from there. But it's all part of this one central structure and you run it uh, towards that direction and it is gaining on you and gaining on you and right as you hit the pool at the base of this water slide structure, it finally catches up to you and collects. Uh, Collides with you, knocking you forward. The, the tremendous force, though, of this thing just barreling towards you uh, hits you and knocks you into the water uh, for two harm. Uh, And it continues its path and sort of travels over you as you are uh, now in the pool, not unconscious like your friend Duck, but sort of dazed from the force of the impact. Uh, And as you look upwards, you see the snake start to lift up and away from the surface of the pool, and it begins to... Climb this wooden tower, this tower of slides, and then you see the the water from the pool that you're actually in uh, start streaming upwards, like a like a sink faucet that's been left on, and it's pouring water upward and out of the pool. Uh, and then you see a few more appear, and then dozens more until. Like a hundred streams of water are pouring upward as this snake starts coiling around this wooden tower, uh, just twisting all around it, weaving between the stairwells leading to its peak. And soon the water from the pool uh, floats up and joins it. And now it's no longer a a a snake coiled around this wooden tower of slides. Now it is just a mountain of water just completely engulfing the whole structure. Uh, You can see sort of silhouetted from the floodlights shining into this mountain of water from behind. You see pieces of the slides start to break apart. Uh, you see a set of stairs from this wooden tower get torn off the structure completely, uh, and all this debris is just sort of revolving around inside of this this huge mountain of water like they're caught in a whirlpool. The, the water from the pool has drained out from around you. You are now sitting at the bottom of this empty pool at the base of this structure, and uh, a piece of one of the slides, just this gigantic section of black pipe, comes flying out of the mountain, uh, and it lands with a crash just a few feet in front of you, bouncing a few times before rolling to a, a stop at your feet. Um, and you can tell that the elemental is panicked and wounded, but now also it is armed. Aubrey,
2: you are up. Um, so, uh, Aubrey's spreading over to the reservoir. Okay. How far is it?
0: Uh, it's not too far. There's a chain link fence between you and the uh, the water. Although I assume, actually, there is a uh, a gate with a padlock on it for easy access to to park employees.
2: Okay, I'm going to do an. Can I do another instinctive magic? Yeah, for sure. Okay, so Aubrey is going to climb the fence. Is her plan? Okay. And so, like, she's kind of running and goes to do like a running jump at the fence. Roll the 10, plus two. Yeah, and I'm gonna say that that is, you know, like a gust of wind as she goes. Okay, sick,
0: yeah. You're running and you leap, and you feel this uh you know this emotion of you want to defend your friend you want to save your friend and that sort of creates if you will a literal wind beneath your wings as you leap uh and uh, the wind sort of also catches you as you fall to the ground and you just sort of keep speed as you hop effortlessly and she fence. says out
2: loud thank you magic and just keeps running okay
0: now what um
2: so when i get to the to the reservoir what do i see
0: uh, you can barely see, thanks to a floodlight shining down into the reservoir, you see Duck's form. Uh, he is about 20 feet underwater. This is a, a deep, deep reservoir with this metal, uh, bridge sort of, uh, spanning across its, uh, its center point.
2: Okay, well, she's gonna jump in and, you know,
0: grab him and pull him out. Uh, okay. Uh, I think this would be another act under pressure. Unless you want to use magic to somehow do some cool shit with the water to help you out.
2: Yeah, so like, she, you know, same deal, takes a big deep breath. Let's say that's what it is, like, big deep breath, and like, once again finds that she's able to stay underwater longer because of that, you know what I mean? Surprised at her ability to hold her breath, and uh, I rolled a six, uh, plus two, so an eight
0: um okay it works imperfectly choose your effect and a glitch the keeper will decide what the uh, effect the glitch has so you want to do something beyond human limitations you are using the wind to i guess fill your lungs uh as you as you want to dive down and and reach uh duck uh you have to choose a glitch from the list usually we don't get these because you you got those hot magic rolls but
2: yeah um, I'm going to say, I'm going to do the one harm and say that it works, so i go hold my breath, but it ends up like hurting my chest, you know?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you, uh, it, it, most notably, you take one harm, ignore armor. Uh, so you take this deep breath and it's kind of crazy deep. You take this huge inhale uh, and as you do so, you feel uh, actually a, a pretty... Uh, terrible pain from inside your from inside your chest, and I start. I think you start feeling sort of heart palpitations that kind of stop you in your tracks a little bit. Uh, take one harm, uh, yes. however, you now have just what feels like endless breath as you dive into the water. Uh, describe what happens next. So yeah, she's swimming for
2: that. Guy grabbed that duck, and and you know she's swimming, trying to grab you know him by the back of his shirt, you know, trying to pull him out of the water. Um, so this is probably another, like, act under pressure, right?
0: No, I think you've rolled enough on this turn okay. that I, I would just give it to you. I think, actually, this what we can do is you actually feel the wind inside of your lungs make you buoyant as you grab onto Duck by the scruff of his collar uh, and pull him upwards, and you kind of uh, just shoot upwards as, uh, as the wind takes you uh, to the surface of the water, uh, and you pretty easily get Duck out of the reservoir uh and with that duck as you feel like the wind on your face your head is just pounding um did i make you take harm when you hit the bridge? no but it seems seems legit uh i'm gonna say i mean you fell two stories and cracked your head on the side of a bridge i would say that's pretty extreme damage uh i would say that's for harm uh but you will obviously that'll be cushioned a bit by your natural armor okay um, but as the wind hits your face, as you, uh, are pulled out of the pool, you regain consciousness, uh, and there is Aubrey kneeling over you, looking like she just has really bad gas, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the first thing
2: she hears is, um, congratulations, new owner, my name is <laughs> Beacon. My <laughs> former owner has tragically died, but Beacon, <laughs> shut up. Duck, are you okay? Duck. I got class tomorrow. What? Duck. And she smacks him. Okay, all right, I'm here. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> a water snake thing. You flipped you. You hit your head on the reservoir. Um, your I jumped a fence. It was sick. Sorry, I missed that. Uh, yeah, i sure I'll do it again. Um we have to get back over because Ned's by himself and that's probably not gonna go well. Are you cool? Hey, real quick though. The monster stuff is real, isn't it? Yeah? I was kinda hoping it was a dream. Oh man. <laughs> oh well. I'm pretty banged up, but let's let's get back over to
0: Ned. How far away is he? He's pretty far away. He led he purposefully led the snake away from you all, so he is uh, What I mean, a brave, brave so man heroic. he is. He's kind of on the opposite corner. Uh, you all are towards all towards the back end of the park, but he's in the other corner where the water slides are.
2: Alright, I guess we'll just start I, I won't say running, but I mean I think we have to start moving towards towards Ned. There's a fence, right? Yeah. I could probably slash through that with Beacon there. <laughs> I would
0: like speed things up a little bit, because I'm not jumping any fences right now. In fact, let me um, just say that. <laughs> okay. I, I don't even think this would be a kick some ass roll because that's for like if you and the thing are going to do kick damage some to each fences other. It's ass. <laughs> so yeah. As funny as it would be the image of this fence, you slashing it and then it falling over onto you to deliver the, you know, the, the death blow. Uh, I think you just slash uh, through the chain link and yeah. open up a hole in the fence and mm-hmm. uh, probably supported by Aubrey, the two of you start making your way over towards the slide structure that is engulfed in this mountain of water that, Ned, you are currently at the foot of. Uh, And Ned, you climb to your feet at the base of this pool, right in front of this mountain, uh, and you see towards the peak, just sort of right at the the surface of the water at the peak, probably uh, 30 feet up, you see that yellow light, and it is glistening at the peak of this mountain of water above you. What do you do? Um, (sighs) yeah,
1: now you know what. There comes a time in every coward's life, uh-huh. where you know the only, the only way you're going to survive is by attacking back. In this case, maybe the best defense is a good offense. So what the shit? Just uh, Ned has a, a a strap that the North Blaster's on, so he kind of flings it back so it's hang off his back, and goes running in.
0: Dives into the water, trying to climb up that wood framing. Uh, okay, this is definitely going to be act under pressure. You get inside this mountain of water, and the world around you just goes silent as you dive just straight forward. It's not like it's not like a pool of water. It is a a just massive tower of water, and you just jump right into the side of it. Uh, and it takes a second for your eyes adjust, but you see just a huge. Uh, pieces of lumber just swirling around and you see a slide just get easily smashed apart by one of these huge pieces of lumber. And so all this stuff is swirling around in the water towards you. And as you swim upward toward that light at the peak, you are sort of avoiding it as you go. So roll to act under pressure. Ha! 12. Wow. Another and- double six. And
1: also add one for cool. So that's 13. That can't be right. <laughs> There's
0: no way. Sorry, Ned has one cool. He's got zero tough,
1: but he's got one cool. All right.
0: Uh, Okay, then the scene is you are swimming upwards and... Easily avoiding these huge chunks of the tower uh, that are flying all around you. I'm gonna say wherever Duck and Aubrey are, they just like stop and they're like, "What the fuck?"
2: Yeah, you <laughs> as all Ned's just like. Whoo,
0: whoo, whoo, whoo. There are a series of floodlights shining into this mountain, and so you all can just kind of see the silhouettes of these pieces of of tower and slide uh, swirling around Ned's form as he uh, just doggy paddles upward into the sky towards the peak of this mountain. I think at one point. A huge chunk of that same slide uh, that landed at your feet earlier, coming right towards you, and you just kind of plank your body and go completely through it as it flies in your direction. Uh, and you are swimming and not sure if you're going to be able to hold your breath long enough. And that light is getting closer and closer and brighter and brighter. And then, Ned, you are standing in a dark room that you are not supposed to be in. It has been a week since the wreck that saw you and your partner in crime separated, which left him to an almost certainly unpleasant fate. Um, and you've spent this week putting your distance between yourself and that scene, uh, just as much distance as, as possible, uh, mostly hitchhiking and, and walking down highways, uh, probably discreetly trying to catch a bus, uh, probably with a hood pulled up as you go. And you have found yourself in some podunk town where finally you can catch a breath. However, it's kind of hard to do so when you are as cash strapped as you find yourself at the moment. And so you sought to find a few quick bucks, the only way you know how, by taking it from someone else in the dead of night. And so you went in the first seemingly unoccupied building that you came across in this town, this modest-looking shop of some sort down by the river, by the entrance to town. Uh, There were no cars parked outside, and the location is far enough away from the rest of town that you figured you'd be in the clear if you wanted to poke around and see what you could burgle. So you jimmied open a window, and you crept inside. And the moonlight through the open window highlights a few peculiar things in this room. Uh, Some weird taxidermied animals that look like they've been sort of composited together using parts from multiple animals. Uh, There's a pedestal with a large clay disc on it, which is pressed with what appears to be a large footprint. Um, There's a wire rack tower with a bunch of maps to local tourist attractions. And toward the back of the room, there is a desk sitting on, which is an old-timey-looking cash register. What do you do? Well, Ned
1: ninja chicane um very quietly moves towards that
0: cash register and opens it uh okay i I think there's a lock which you you know have certainly have experience popping open. Go ahead and roll to act under pressure uh seven plus one, which is for cool, so that's eight. The register pops open uh and you see. Just an empty drawer inside as it pops out to greet you. And then you hear a shotgun cock from behind you. And you hear a voice say, Well, all right now, this is, uh, this is just a bad beat. You could have broken into any shop in this town and gotten away scot free, but you just had to pick the one place where the owner lives and sleeps on the premises. That's just plain old bad luck. Not to mention the one broke place. Uh, yeah, don't make any smart moves. By the way, I got you dead to rights. You're just you're just gonna stand there real still, and we're just gonna have ourselves a little conversation, okay?
1: I'm a statue, my friend. What's your name? Uh, my name, uh, Edward. You got a last name, Edward? Uh, Edward uh, Bonaventure.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's not real. But what what brings you to Kepler there, Mister Edward? Uh, the, of uh, the foul winds of, of, of
1: fate, my, my new friend, um, little down on my luck, need a, a grub steak, and, uh, I was looking for perhaps something I could be, I could borrow with every intention of paying back with interest, um, uh, to whoever was the kind soul who would help me in my dire hour of need.
0: Uh, you hear her laugh. Uh, this, uh, just sort of joyous, kind of croaky laugh and, uh, flips on a light switch. And there you see, uh, an older woman. You'd guess probably in her seventies. Um, she is wearing some, some pajamas. Uh, she has an eye patch and, uh, she is holding a shotgun that she has pointed in your direction. Uh, and she smiles this big toothy grin and says, well, I find that pretty. Oh my god, that's a nasty bruise you got there on your forehead. How would you get something like that? Um
1: it's a little foggy. I'm I'm not quite sure. I I believe I hit my head on a uh, on a window casing, but I'm not 100% sure.
0: Um she says, "Well, you may want to get that looked at." Um So,
1: yeah, I don't really have health insurance, and I'm pretty sure that if I go to a doctor, they're going to ask me the same intrusive questions that you're asking, like, how did it happen? And I'm not prepared to go there at this time.
0: And your name is? My name is uh, Victoria there, Ned. It's a pleasure to meet you. Sorry it's not under better circumstances. Yes, I I as well. So uh, what made you decide to relieve this little here monster museum of its riches, huh? Uh, the
1: apparent lack of a security system, which <laughs> it now appears that I was really off base since you seem to be the security system.
0: Yeah, it's just more damn bad luck, I'm afraid there, Edward. <laughs> I, I have a lot of it. And she says, also, as you can see, ain't nothing green been in that register, save for a little bit of weed for the better part of a year now.
1: Oh, it's medicinal for my legs. Of course, le- yes, everything is medicinal. It's for
0: my legs.
1: What what exactly, if if you don't mind me asking, since the only other topic so far has been shooting me, <laughs> t- what, what is this place?
0: Well, this here is a, a wonderland of supernatural delights there, Edward. Uh, it's called the Cryptonomica. It's my little museum, sort of my, my footprint here in Kepler. Lots of strange stuff happens around here. I've seen it, lived here my whole life, and... Seems that folks around here want to try to ignore it more than celebrate it. So I opened up this shop a few decades back, and... uh, Looks like they're still ignoring it. Uh, She smiles, and she says, Yeah, as it turns out, folks here, they don't want to address the reality of the situation as I see it. Of course. Don't nobody in this town here like me, Edward, and don't nobody in this town trust me. In fact, this is the first conversation I've had with another living person in weeks, and... To be honest, it's one of the more entertaining conversations I believe I have ever had. Well, well, th-
1: th- thank you, I think, Victoria. D- would you mind just lowering that shotgun? Just 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 so it's not pointed at the more vital parts of my body. I'm really I'm really harmless. I'm strictly B and E. There, I I do not do armed stuff. I don't do, I don't do anything uh, with violence. I abhor violence. As a matter of fact, my middle name is pacifist. And so, if you wouldn't mind not not
0: pointing that at me in such a lethal manner, she says, "No, I I appreciate that you have a nonviolent approach. Because if you didn't, you would be dead." I'll tell you what. How about this? It's late, and I'm tired, and you probably are two guessing by that bruise on your head cash register is empty but the fridge ain't got some smoked turkey in there you're welcome to maybe grab some ice for that noggin ears while you're at it and uh tell you what there's a cot in the supply room back in the back you can use you you should use it and then tomorrow morning maybe you can explain what it is you're doing in this neck of the woods maybe you can tell me your actual real name if the spirit moves you it's ned 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 Chicane. I still get a feeling like that ain't your real Christian name, but...
1: That's probably about the best we're going to do on such short notice, Victoria. Are you... uh, Let me ask you this. Are you sure you want to do that? I did, I mean, break into your
0: hovel of a business. It ain't a hovel. It's a great business. Just because we don't get patrons don't mean it's not worthwhile.
1: It is charming. I must admit, I, I find myself very, very comfortable here.
0: She says, yeah, I'm I'm sure of it, Ned. And let me tell you, you ain't got nothing to worry about. I'm not going to come back in that supply room and murder you in your sleep or nothing. Thank God. Yeah, it probably sounds spooky, though, the fact that I even had to say that at all, huh?
1: Yeah, a little bit.
0: I guess it is maybe a bit strange for me to decide to open up my home to a burglar, but I got a peculiar set of beliefs.
1: Yes, I noticed.
0: I'm letting you into my home, Ned, because you found your way here. And... If living in Kepler for 70 years has taught me one thing, it's that nothing happens in this town without a damn good reason. And then we are back in the present, and Ned... You dodge a few more pieces of debris and now you can actually see the night sky through the surface of the water at its peak and floating immediately in front of you is that yellow light that as you approach it, you actually feel it starting to control the water, creating a current that is desperately, desperately trying to pull you back down. What do you do?
1: I think it's going to, this is the best time to take the shot. I think he's going to have to take the shot.
0: Roll two, kick some ass. Okay, that's a seven. Seven. You are point blank with this light. Rather, you were. It is trying to pull you away, and I think it's sort of gaining some ground, and you desperately try to paddle against the current, and then just grab the narf blaster uh, and and sort of twirl it around you on its strap and let a dart fly. Opens his mouth and yells out... And then Aubrey and Duck, you see from outside Ned's silhouette pull up the Narf blaster. And then you see, just for a moment, a sharp light leave Ned's silhouette and enter the light at the peak of the water mountain. And then you see pieces of debris just start falling. Inside this mountain, some of it falls out the side and tumbles down into the empty pool below. And then you see the water in this mountain just start to melt away. It just starts lowering down down to the ground, uh, losing its shape, dispersing back down into the pool, overflowing that pool since it had some water from the river in it too. Um, and... Ned, you see in right in front of you, uh, the dart still sort of pushing up against the, the yellow light that was controlling everything, uh, until finally it pushes its way through. And then this, this light, it starts to flash over and over and over again. And as it flashes, it almost looks like it's growing into a new shape and color. What you see floating in this water as you are descending down to the ground is. What appears to be a humanoid being made out of white light uh, about your size with two legs and four arms and a domed head all made out of this gentle white light. And, And you actually see two small black eyes appear on its face and meet your gaze. And you instantly know that this being, whatever it is, it means you no harm. And then finally the mountain disintegrates completely. And now you and this figure are just standing on the ground right outside of the pool. And you see this figure sort of look at its arms one by one, just sort of examining its body. And as it does so, the light from one of its arms starts to break apart, just sort of disintegrating and floating away in the air. And in its last moments, this white humanoid shape, it looks back up in your direction, Ned and then it slowly and cautiously nods, and then it evaporates completely in a cloud of soft white particles of light drifting upward and winking out of view one by one. Hey everybody, this is Griffin Macro, your Dungeon Master, your best friend, and your Texas Strongman. Thanks so much for listening to episode 11 of the Adventure Zone Amnesty. It is the final episode of this hunt. Uh, Next episode is probably going to be a lunar interlude, kind of like we talked about during the last, the, the Adventure Zone zone. I think. God, that was so long ago. But I hope that you're enjoying the episode. There is still a little coda coming at the end, uh, so stick around for that. But first, I want to tell you about some of our sponsors. We have an Aura frame here at our house, and we primarily
2: use it to show pictures of our kids and the fun stuff that we do. And my favorite thing about it is that it's so easy to upload pictures on that as soon as they get home from doing something fun Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frames with code ADVENTURE. That's A-U-R-A, frames.com, promo code ADVENTURE. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it's me, the internet's Travis MacRoy. Yes, that's right, powerful influencer, Travis Macroy. You know, people are always asking me, Travis, how did you become such a powerful influencer In case you've been wondering, what's the best way to keep up with our new tour dates and announcements and stuff like that? Go to bit.ly/macroynewsletter, and of course, check out all the merch over at Macroymerch.com. A lot of great stuff: fungalor sticker pack, um, naming of the year poster. Uh, we've got the little sailor man pin, and ten percent of all proceeds this month go to the foundation for Black women's
0: wellness. So go check it out, Macroymerch.com. And now back to the show. I want to tell you about a role-playing podcast called Quest Friends that comes out every other Monday at questfriends.podbean.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Here's what they have to say. The Adventure Zone sure is great. Oh, thank you very much. But how are you supposed to get your role-playing fix the rest of the week? Quest Friends is a role-playing podcast released every other Monday that takes place in the scavenging tech future of Numenera. I really should know how to pronounce that word, but I don't. If Robot Cowboy Shop keeps old ladies giving bad guys the chair and uncomfortably long handshakes sound like your jam, then check us out at questfriends.podbean.com or your favorite podcasting app. Quest Friends, we're another podcast. That's a a, a very good catchphrase. Uh, I also want to tell you about Bohemian Galaxy. It is another actual play podcast that you can find on iTunes or you can follow on Twitter at Bohemian Galaxy. On February 1st, Captain Sully and the crew of the good ship Mayfly blast off on an out-of-this-world adventure in the new real-play RPG podcast, Bohemian Galaxy. Come along with Sully, Amy, John, and Barney as they unravel a dark conspiracy and maybe find love or some good udon. We're playing in a homebrew sci-fi setting and using the Savage Worlds rule system, so find us wherever you get your podcast fix. Bohemian Galaxy, malevolent cosmic powers, itty-bitty ship in space. That sounds really good, too. There's This is a rich, vibrant community of actual play podcasts going on right now. You should go dip your nose in and taste the waters, like they say. You know, taste the waters. I want to thank everybody for tweeting about the show using the, the ZoneCast hashtag. If you do that, you might end up as a character on the show. Uh, we got a new arc coming very soon of Amnesty, and so there's going to be new characters and new naming opportunities. Uh, really, we just appreciate you spreading the word. Most of our growth has come from just you all telling your friends who you think might be into the show about our show, and we really, really appreciate the hard work that y'all have done to build this up, Buttercup. Uh, I also want to thank Maximum Fun for having us on the network. You can go to Maximum Fun and check out all the great shows there. Shows like Jordan Jesse Go and Bullseye and Stop Podcasting Yourself and Lady to Lady and Can I Pet Your Dog and so many more all at MaximumFun.org. And if you want to check out more stuff that we do, it's all at McElroyShows.com. Duck, you have returned home to your apartment building uh, after your successful hunt. Uh, It is pretty late the lights in your neighbor's windows are all out only the flickering street lights outside shed some light onto your approach as you return for the night and as you crest the top of the stairs to your second story apartment you see a figure at your door they are kneeling down and they appear to be busying themselves with something you you can't quite ascertain right in front of the door into your apartment what do you do
2: i yell hey what the fuck duck's new catchphrase duck's new catchphrase hey what the
0: fuck uh as you yell that you startle this figure who kind of falls falls down and you hear like some objects hitting the floor uh and as they turn to face you you see the warm craggy face of leo turkisian your next door neighbor and proprietor of the local general store who you whipped into existence at the beginning of this arc with your beautiful brain um and he has knelt over your doormat where he has left a couple of paper bags filled with groceries, uh, which he is now trying to refill with some of the objects that he drops at dropped as you uh, yelled and startled him. Uh, and he smiles as you catch him in the act, and he says, "Ah, damn, duck! I was I was hoping I could get the drop on you. How how's your night? It looks like it was maybe kind of a tough one."
2: Yeah, there was a um a yeah, a. Uh, 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 a black bear got, uh, fell into the river there, a baby, and I had to swim in and, uh, rescue it. Cause they're, you know, they're keeping count now, trying to monitor the population.
0: Hi, damn, Doc. You are a, a, a credit to the Park Service. I don't know what they do without you there, saving bears from rivers, you big hero.
2: Yeah, I, uh, well, gotta do our part, I guess.
0: He says, You haven't stopped by this store in a while, so I figured you might be running low on on sundries. So I thought I'd swing by and leave you some supplies, keep you fed. Just, you know, try to be a, a good neighbor over here. You're out there saving bears, seems like the least I can do
2: did you uh did you get in that new wildberry fruit loops? I've been hearing some good things
0: uh he pulls out a box of wildberry fruit loops <laughs> yeah, i know hey, i yeah you. I know what you need so uh how else how how's the rest of the forest stuff going i I admit I haven't been out hiking lately on account of my backs is is it still as you know pristine and verdant as ever
2: yeah mr Tarkeesian. i mean the the splendor is all still in place uh I, it's a little more, um, demanding lately to, uh, to keep keep the peace, as it were.
0: Well, you make sure to take care of yourself there, Doc. I, I can't have you starving in the cold just because you got too busy serving the needs of the community to take care of yourself. You need anything. You need anything at all. You just come knock on my door, all right?
2: Yeah. Hey, hey Mr. Tarkeesian, um, I know you always, uh, leave your place unlocked.
0: Y- you, uh... Start locking up, okay? Yeah, I can do that. It's a little bit, uh, sounds a bit nefarious there, Doc. You know, it's just been some strange, um, it's just some strange times. He says, all right, I'll take care of myself, you take care of yourself, Doc. Does that sound like a fair trade? Yeah, thanks for the loops. Uh, you and Mr. Tarkisian go to open your doors and, um, he, he turns the knob into his apartment and he stops and he turns to you and he says... You got good form, by the way. I, I, I seen you in the lot back behind the building practicing with that sword. I figured you were prepping for a Ren fair, or something like that. You you look you look good, real professional. That kick thing that you're doing is top-notch.
2: Yeah, I'm... Uh, this is going to sound stupid, but I'm, I've been kicking around the idea of finally getting involved with the community theater. It's a, you know, the big fight scene in uh, Romeo and Juliet when all the...
0: Oh yeah, the sure. The two be, families are going at it.
2: I'm, try, it yeah. I'm trying to learn some real basic stuff. I don't know. It's kind of silly. Thanks for not telling anybody about it, though. I appreciate it. I'm a little, little embarrassed, and I'm sure I'm going to go go through with it.
0: He says, "Oh no, nothing to be embarrassed about." Again, you look great. And he starts to step into the room, and he takes one more step back outside, and looks at you and says, "But you should keep your elbows in, just, just a little bit tighter." And then he walks into his apartment and shuts the door behind him. Ned, you've returned to the cryptonomica, which you have barely spent any time in the last couple of sort of frantic monster hunting days. Uh, And as the chime above the door rings out announcing your entrance, two figures in the room turn to face you, Kirby and Agent Stern. They are both hunched over Kirby's computer where you can see that they were watching the video captured on Kirby's camera of your first run in with Bigfoot. Uh, now, you have a display set up in the Cryptonomica showing some of this video, namely uh, Bigfoot's appearance from out of frame where he engages with this corrupted bobcat. Um, this sequence, uh, this, this part of the video runs for about... 30 seconds or so before the video loops, uh, and it edits out a few things. It edits out your attempt at faking a Bigfoot sighting with a Chewbacca costume. Uh, it edits out you beginning to sort of take the camera equipment apart, where you uh, unplug the shotgun microphone out of it, which luckily then muted the video during your conversation with an off-screen Barclay when he sort of stumbles upon you. Uh, and it also edits out the final shot of the footage of the The Bigfoot and Bobcat battle being lit up by your headlights as you drive full speed into the scuffle, knocking over the camera and ending the recording before your involvement in Barclay's rescue sort of is is shown. Uh, But Agent Stern has just seen this footage, and he says, Thank you, Kirby. Your assistance is most appreciated by myself and my superiors at the FBI. Uh, I'd like to have a word with your employer, if you don't mind. And Kirby, who looks understandably kind of nervous, excuses himself to the back room, and Agent Stern says "Ned is it is it raining? Why are you wet?
1: Um I've just come from a very strenuous workout, and I have a bit of a perspiration issue what What do you need, Agent Stern? I am
0: so so very tired. You know what I need." There, Ned, I've been asking for it for two days now, and yet you've continued to turn me away. So I decided to come here myself, and I met your assistant, Kirby, who was more than willing to show me what I needed. Yes, and he and I will have a discussion about that after you leave. Uh, Agent Stern kind of picks up on, on your tone, and he says, Why were you trying to hide this from me, Mr. Chicane? I will be
1: honest with you, Agent Stern and And it's honesty that is very difficult for me, but since I am so fatigued and so tired, coming up with a bunch of snappy repartees just not in the cards tonight, here's the thing: Why should I fucking help you? You have shown shaky at best credentials. I haven't seen a warrant. Why in the world would I be cooperative? All you've been is a giant pain in the ass since I encountered you. Now you tell me, why should I help you out, so-called Agent
0: Stern? He has a briefcase that he walks over to the uh, the, the main desk here in the Kryptonopica and he pops open, where he pulls out his badge with his name and picture and badge number and identification info on it that he sort of lays out. He reaches in and pulls out a case file uh, that he opens up, and inside you see uh, pictures of other Bigfoot sightings along with missing persons reports uh, sort of attached to each picture and each sighting from various points across the country. Uh, and he pulls out well, there wouldn't be a warrant, I don't think, but he pulls out this documentation to sort of support his case, uh, and he gestures towards it, and he says, my bona fides are available for you to see. If you had only asked, Mr. Chicane, I must say I do not necessarily appreciate your your tone. I am here on a job, Mr. Chicane, and I don't mean to cause you any trouble. I just don't understand why you are being so evasive about the facts. <laughs>
1: oh oh you you took my my little act there as as real no no friend stern listen let me get you what a latte would you do would you like a latte sit down we'll go through all this i'll tell you whatever you want to know my goodness so
0: thin-skinned ned i don't need a latte I just need information. I have two questions for you, and then I'm out of your hair. Kirby has given me a copy of the video uh, on this flash drive, which I will take with me. Uh, But I I, I need to know two things. One, have you had any further contact with the creature that you encountered on that day since the video was first shot? Uh, no. He sighs, and he looks kind of disappointed, and he says... Okay, uh, well, it appears at one point in the video you were having a conversation with a subject off screen. Who was that?
1: I, uh, I'm i having trouble remembering.
0: He pinches his, the bridge of his nose with his fingers and looks up at you, and he says, Okay. All right. Ned, while you were evading me, I decided to look into you a little bit. Ned Chicane. And the funny thing is, I couldn't find anything under that name before your inheritance of the cryptonomica here in Kepler, West Virginia. Now, a person in my line of work, they see a capable guy using a a fake name living in a small, unquestioning town like Kepler, they start to make certain assumptions as to why that is. Now, I'm not here to cause trouble for you, Mr. Chicane. I'm here to put an end to a threat that few people, even within my own department, believes exists in the first place. All I ask is that the next time I ring your bell, you come running. Aubrey, you are sitting in the dining room of Amnesty Lodge, and joining you at your table is Danny. Danny who has Dr. Harris bonkers sitting in her lap, who she's kind of petting absent-mindedly while looking out the window. And just outside that window, you see Barclay step out of a small maintenance shed and look over into the hot springs, which begin refilling, much to the delight of the lodge's sylvan patrons who are all standing around the empty pool expectantly, sort of ready for a rejuvenating late-night dip. And they all cheer at Barclay as he turns the water uh, pump back on from inside the shed. And Barclay looks up and gives a big thumbs up in yours and Danny's direction and danny smiles and says well i I guess that crisis is taken care of you all saved everyone's lives here so i guess we all kind of owe you one
2: yeah but okay here's the thing i haven't even gotten to the best part yet
0: oh right you were telling
2: me yes so like i did some shit that wasn't just like fire it was like wind and i like jumped a fence and i like made a shield no idea how. Can't do it now. I've been trying
0: since we got back. I can't make it happen again, but it was badass. She says, so it it sounds like you learned a thing or two over when when you were down in Sylvain. What Nope. Didn't learn anything. I oh. have no idea how I did it.
2: I t- like I talked with the Minister of Magic or whatever, and they were like you need to think about how you do what you do, and I definitely need to do that because I have no idea how I did it. It was amazing.
0: Oh, I wish I could do it now. I don't think you should push yourself. I, I didn't get a chance to catch up with you after your 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 trip. What did you think of my my hometown? There's a
2: big giant like gem crystal thing. I want to touch it so bad, Danny.
0: Okay, but what else? I mean, it it. I haven't been there in quite some time. I guess I'm asking you how. How everything's going over there?
2: It was really cool. Um there were, you know, people lined up to touch the crystal and there was a goat man who was pretty nice actually.
0: Oh, Vincent, yeah, he's great. Yeah,
2: very nice, but he was very strict on his policies of crystal touching. And yeah, it was great.
0: Yeah, it was a It was a great place to grow up. I mean, constant threat from humanity and the corruption beyond the city's borders notwithstanding it was mm-hmm. it was home. I I miss it a lot. And she looks out the window at the springs filling up outside and she says kind of wistfully My family's My family's still there. Aubrey, my, my parents and my little brother, I'll probably never Sylvain is a beautiful place, but the things its people do to survive are are unbearable. Do you have any idea what it's like knowing you have a home out there and knowing that you'll never be able to return to it? Yeah, actually I do. Uh, she smiles and lifts up her, her hand from petting Dr. Harris bonkers and places it on yours, uh, on the table. I don't think she was expecting you to respond in the affirmative when she asked you about your family. Um, and she smiles, and she says, Sorry, I'm, I'm being unnecessarily maudlin. Let's chalk it up to the, uh, the old starvation, which I believe you promised me a dip in the hot springs a while ago, and I think it's time that we... And Danny's interrupted by the slamming of the front door into the lodge's lobby. Standing just in front of the doorway is an imposing figure who is draped in a ratty, dirt-covered coat and a cloak partially obscuring a scratched up filthy face and this figure is clearly wounded using what appears to be a shotgun as a crutch as they stumble into the lobby and after taking a few steps forward they say either of y'all know how to drive uh yeah and she throws you the keys to the truck parked outside and says great you're going to need to get me to a hospital and she falls to her knees and collapses on the ground in a heap. And without missing a beat, Danny pushes herself back from the table, knocking over her chair as she rushes and throws open the window. And all the Sylvans outside look up as Danny announces the good news Mama's Home.
1: MaximumFun.org.
0: Comedy and culture. Artist owned.
1: Listener supported. Well, Adam, we're still putting out the greatest discovery podcast while we wait for season two. What are we doing with these episodes? We've uh, talked to a whole bunch of interesting people like the Wall Street Journal's Ben Fritz and MaximumFun.org's own Danielle Radford. We're kind of using this time to find ways to entertain ourselves and you. While we wait for the next season.
2: So catch yourself up with Star Trek Discovery and join us
1: Tuesday on The Greatest Discovery. It's on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Vince. And I'm Teresa. And we host One Bad Mother, a comedy podcast about parenting. Whether you are a parent or just know kids exist in the world, join us each week as we honestly share what it's like to be a parent.
2: Turns out it isn't what we thought it would be. For example, stickers on car windows... It's no longer about what type of monster would let that happen and more like realizing you are that monster. So join us each week as we judge less, laugh more, and remind you that you are doing a great job. Download One Bad Mother on MaximumFun.org
1: or Apple Podcasts. And yes, there will be swears.